0: Welcome to the Juicebox podcast. My name is Nicholas, and in this podcast series, I'll be sitting down with the people building and maintaining projects on the Juicebox protocol. Today, I'll be talking with Perry, a member of Juicebox DAO and the founder of TileDAO. Perry, thanks for joining the Juicecast. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. (laughs) Um,
0: So tell the people what is Tile Just briefly, before we go back and discover how you got involved in the first place.
1: Yeah, so TileDAO is uh, well, it's a kind of a generative art experiment. Um, so it's it's NFTs. It's a it's a collection of infinite. Uh, it's a collection of generated generated art with an infinite supply, um, and it's also a DAO.
0: Very cool. Okay, so so okay. Now let's rewind. So, how did you discover Web three in the first place? How did you get involved?
1: Uh, It's been well. So I think I first, I think crypto first came on my radar maybe in like twenty seventeen or so, Um, and it was probably a couple years of you know buying some buying some ETH, buying some Bitcoin, uh, buying a couple other tokens. Um, and kind of just thinking of it as like an investment, like kind of just wanting to be part of this thing. Uh, but it probably wasn't until like 2019 or maybe 2020 that I really like started to appreciate what crypto was doing and and the value of it. Um, and at that point, I don't think web three was like even in my vocabulary, but, uh, uh, <laughs> it was around that time around 2019, 2020 that I, um, started to just, like, pay more attention to the space and start to realize the, you know, the value of what was being created and the the effects that it might have on, you know, the way the world works and the way people work together, etc. Um And so, you know, at that point, I started to, like, pay more attention and get more familiar with some projects. And I think it was, like, DeFi summer. It was, like, around the time that, like, you know, uh, sushi was coming on the scene and, uh, you know, farming was starting to become to enter the the web three lexicon that I was like really getting involved and in, like sending a lot of transactions and playing around with like what automated market makers were and, um, just experimenting with like, well, really not experimenting, but just being like, uh, fascinated and, and learning about what the tokenomics and the, the experiments that people were making, um, were, uh, were all about. And, um, It was probably like a period of time for probably six months or so of just like really deep diving into that world before I ever started really building anything.
0: I think we've all been there. Pretty much everyone gets involved and has some kind of similar rabbit hole story about the first three, six months. I mean, even longer than that, but it definitely takes time to just get used to all the new primitives and sort of current projects for the moment when you join in.
1: Um, Yeah, definitely.
0: so uh, what, what were you doing before you started this whole journey? Were you, were you already a professional programmer?
1: Um, yeah, I guess technically I was a professional programmer. Um, my, for a long time, my focus was actually just design. Um, I like, went to school for design and like, that was kind of how I was spending most of my time and most of my energy it was just like visual design, so like logos and graphics and interface type work. Um, and I, and I ended up getting into programming just because I was doing a lot of like interface design and and mockups and things like this. And, and at some point it like became a lot cooler to me to actually be like building these things instead of just like putting them into a PDF and, and giving them to someone else. So, um, uh, so like my, my introduction to programming was, was really just like, you know, how do I make things that are cool to play with and like things that are like functional on a screen and that look good and, and, uh, you know, do interesting things. Um, so I, I, I really was like, had had played around with a lot of different types of like front end experiments and, um, got really into that for a while. So by the time I got into crypto, I had been mostly focused on just, uh, like front end web development and and some mobile development too, for a a couple of years, I guess, maybe um, before I started like doing some proper Web three development,
0: and was Juicebox the first project that you worked on in Web three?
1: It was, yeah.
0: So how did that get, how did that get started, uh, more or less?
1: So Django and I, uh, Django and I have been friends for a long time, and we've worked together on a handful of projects in the past over over many years, and um, uh, the idea. That eventually seeded into becoming Juicebox uh, was something that Django was pretty excited about. Like, like I don't even know how long before we actually started <laughs> working on it, but it had been a while that that idea was being kind of tossed around. Um, and over time, it started to become formalized. and And mainly, it was um, it was Django who sort of pushed it into the crypto world and realized that that would be kind of the right home for it. And after some time of him sort of playing around with making that idea real in smart contracts, um, you know, I, uh, I basically came in and was like, well, let's build an app for that. Um, let me see what I can do to like, see what an interface would look like to start to do some stuff with this contracts. with these contracts. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my onboarding experience.
0: That's crazy. Was there any, we just nerd out for a minute on Juicebox before we jump back to Tile, but was there any concept of what it should look like when you started thinking about that?
1: Um, what do you mean? What should it look like?
0: Like, it's because my experience, my relationship to you is as the kick ass front end engineer, <laughs> uh, first of all, for Juicebox that makes a website that essentially didn't go down throughout. Crazy spikes in uh, activity and sort of works very well across all screen sizes and stuff. It's just a to me that my introduction to you was more through as a front end engineer for uh, and designer. You know, for Juicebox, just owning the front end. So it's funny to hear that um, at that time, like at the time when you got started working on that, you didn't see yourself as a professional developer as much. You saw yourself more coming from this design thing. It, it falls through to, to what we'll talk about with TileDAO
1: yeah well i i I'd, I'd like to think it's probably true for most pr- programmers, regardless of how much time you spend doing web development, that when you get into web three you you definitely feel like less of a professional because <laughs> there's uh, <laughs> There's a lot of new concepts. Um, it, it took me, like, way longer than it should have to really grok the idea of, like, what a provider is and and such and such. Like, there's there's just some new, like, infrastructure concepts to, to really wrap your head around if you want to be a, a solid Web3 developer. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of new. The one thing that really fascinated me coming into Web3 is that the other apps that I was looking at, it, it was very clear that, like, the culture of... Um, I guess maybe primarily from a design perspective but like the design culture so to speak of like web3 apps was just completely different than than what was being pushed in like general like web2 you know silicon valley tech products etc um you know the the aesthetic of projects was completely thrown out the window um, and and the branding in general uh, which was a ton of fun to me it was really it was really interesting and you know to just push slightly deeper into the nerd hole that we're in right now like for me doing web development in the web three space um previously i was like i think my habit of development before web3 um was like i like to build i just enjoyed building things from the ground up um so like projects that i'd be working on like it would hardly ever cross my mind to go and like pull in another library or something. Like, it would just be like, oh, how can I just build this from scratch? Um, And I think it's a habit I developed from, like, wanting to sort of understand things better. And, you know, when you're building something yourself, you get a better idea of it. Um, And you also just have more room to tailor it to your specific purpose. Um, And it can just be kind of fun to just be artistic with architecting something functional. Um, But when I came into Web3, I found that there's, like, there's so many concepts that were kind of new that I was focused on perfecting that uh, I like really changed gears and was just interested in like how can I just get something that works as quickly as I can Uh, which I think is like generally a pretty healthy way of like kicking off projects Um, and so like starting off with the juice box app like everything that I might have wanted to build on my own, you know, I was just looking around like, okay, let me just pull this in from this other project and let me pull this in from wherever. Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the traditional sort of open source approach to building anything. And that's when I really sort of uh, adopted that mindset to building was just like, okay, like I I just want to be able to like see this in the world and like let people play with it. Um, and so I'm going to get this off the ground as quickly as I can. And And by virtue of the Web3 space being largely open source, I was able to kind of poke around with other projects. And uh, um, a big one that helped out was the work that uh, Austin Griffith has done with ETH Scaffold or Scaffold ETH rather, um, and some of his other experiments that were, you know, designed to be just open source projects that people can come in and play with. And that was a huge, uh, that was probably the biggest factor in like getting familiar with Web3 development
0: yeah, so I was curious at what point Scaffold ETH was adopted. Was that something that Django had already picked up to just start building and testing the contract? Or was it when you shifted into doing the front end?
1: Um, wow, really looking back into the early days now. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like 10 years ago. Um, I believe the contracts had mostly been developed in isolation. Um, and at some point, like uh, discovering the Scaffold ETH project, it was like, let's just... I followed this model because it clearly it's works great. and yeah. we can just get something working. Um, and that kind of became the basis for that project.
0: So, for people who don't know, uh, Austin Griffith's uh, Biddle, Giddle, Biddle Giddle or Biddle Gill. Anyway, uh, Austin yeah. Griffith's uh, <laughs> scaffold Eve, uh repo is like, I believe he started it for like hackathons because he found he was spending like three quarters of a hackathon just setting up his environment in order to do a Web3 full stack app. Uh, so, he just built this repo to be like a quick start, uh, boilerplate kind of project that you can then go and change the contracts in and change the front end. Um, and it uses all the sort of uh, best in class stuff, right? So how did TileDAO start? Was it something that you had already been thinking about before Juicebox in a way?
1: Uh, certainly not before Juicebox. Um, it was before Juicebox launched, but but at, at the time I had already been working on Juicebox for a while. Um, I had been I think as I got more into the web3 world I was I was really became really fascinated with like the generative art projects that I'd seen um and and even before crypto to be honest I'd always been really curious about people who had done generative art experiments and I'd never really dived into that rabbit hole before um but seeing you know, the, the appreciation that people had and how for those type of projects and how generative our projects were just like becoming a, a, a strong staple of, of web three culture. Like it was, it, it felt like just a push to start experimenting with it. Um, and obviously I was like deep into building the juice box app, which was a ton of work and, and I wasn't really trying to like take on, you know, other side projects at the time. Um, but I started working on tiles probably, maybe just a, a month or two before Juicebox launch. and it was a period of time when um, it was around uh, summertime, twenty twenty one. Summertime, twenty twenty one. Yeah, and um, at the time, it was like we were we weren't too far away from launch of the Juicebox app, and it was sort of in a period of time where um, there wasn't you know quite as much like urgency to to get things done because it was the app was in a good place and most of the work that was being done was just sort of like last minute refinements and like um so i so i had a bit more like headspace to think about other things um and the the actual moment when tiles became a thing was <laughs> it was it was pretty funny actually because i uh it basically all got built in like a few days um it really, most of it got built in like 24 hours. Um, and really what happened was I was in Mexico at the time. I was staying in this little beach town called Sayulita, which is a beautiful place in the state of Nayarit. And I um, you know, I was working on the Juicebox app and, you know, also just enjoying this beach town. And uh, I got COVID while I was there. Oh, no. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was fine for me. It was like, I had like a day of grogginess and then it was, I was basically chilling, but, um but I, you know, woke up one day and, um you know, didn't have my taste or whatever, which was just a crazy sensation. <laughs> if anybody mm. hasn't experienced that, it's a, it's very weird. Uh But anyways, I knew that I had COVID. And so I was like, well, um, you know, I guess I can't like hug anybody this week or whatever. <laughs> like I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, you know, stay away from the masses and and do my thing and isolate more than I normally do. And, and, uh, and so I had like some more time on my hands because I was just kind of like sitting at home a lot. Um, And so like a day or two into this, I was like, well, you know, it'd be fun to maybe just like use this week that I've set aside to, you know, not infect people (laughs) and, uh, and just like work on something fun, work on a little side thing. And so um, I decided to like, take a little foray into experimenting with some generative art.
0: Wow. So COVID caused you to invent tiles. That's crazy.
1: COVID caused me to invent tiles. Yeah. It it was actually a pretty direct uh, causation (laughs) there. (laughs) Um, But I I didn't quite have, um, I I basically was like, um, you know, spending some time in Mexico, there's like, part of the reason that's ever, that, that I've ever been attracted to that country is like there's there's a, a visual culture that just sort of permeates everything in in the country of Mexico and especially, especially where I was staying. And um, like one night, I think just having that sort of like inspiration swimming around in my head, I was like curious about, you know, I found myself thinking about generative art and I sort of was just going to bed and like, had an idea for how like uh you know for an aesthetic for the aesthetic of tiles basically like taking some very simple shapes and some colors that i enjoyed and um you know making it making it generative okay
0: can you, can you describe it visually can you give a basic a visual description of what a tile looks like for people who are listening but haven't seen one
1: yeah so there's uh if you imagine a grid like a three by three grid of nine squares um a tile is basically this three-by-three three grid, and each grid uh, inside it has three layers of shapes. Um, the shapes are all very simple, like the most primitive kind of geometric shapes you can make. Circle, um, square, you know, <laughs> uh, half triangle, small circle. Um, some, some very simple shapes like that, and there's a few different colors, which is just red, blue, yellow, and black. And... Um, the the um, the combination of shapes in each grid is is uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny to describe this in like a, <laughs> a primitive like language. Um, but yeah, so it's each the background of every tile is just a white canvas, and within each of these grids, there's a few different shapes laid on top of each other, and each of these very simple shapes has one of those four colors um and and there's a few other nuances involved but that should give you a pretty good mental picture
0: got it so it's, it's sort of geometry on geometry on a grid and then let's say i because to me the minting experience is the the way into the project so if i go to is it tiles.art
1: is that the, the tiles.art? art
0: yeah so if i go there how do i generate
1: one so tiles are generated from a 40-character hexadecimal string, which is the same type of string that's used to generate uh, a, a wallet on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, so any any wallet address on Ethereum is 40 characters. Every character is hexadecimal, meaning it's 0 through 9, A through F. Um, and the idea for seeding tiles with the wallet address is because I just thought it would be interesting to allow people to come in and and mint a tile for a wallet that they own or someone else's wallet or a tile for a contract that was special to them or something like that.
0: It makes a lot of sense. So, So you just bring an address. You can obviously write your own, but you could naturally you might be inclined to pick your wallet address. And then you punch it into this minting experience and create a generative work of art that does, I mean, as you were saying a little bit about the aesthetic that permeates Mexico, it has a, because of the limited color palette and types of shapes that are options, there's a certain common uh, aesthetic through the whole collection. But at the same time, people go and do things that are very specific that are not just punching in their their wallet address.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Uh, This is true. So, um, yeah, a lot of people do come in and just you know, there's when you go to Mint, you know, there's an option to just paste an address into a field, and so a lot of people will just mint a tile for uh, for their own address. Um, The the website also just generates a ton of a ton of tiles. and so you can kind of just scroll endlessly. And if you find one you like, you can just pick one and mint that one. Um, obviously, you can't mint the same one twice. So when somebody has minted a tile for a particular address, that tile is is now owned. Um, but because there's that text input, um, there are uh, people very quickly started playing around with um, like entering a sort of custom... Uh, you know, custom address, so to speak. So, like, manually entering whatever string of characters they want. And uh, obviously this would, like, you know, this as you're playing around with putting in different letters and numbers, you can change the tile that's being generated. And so um, very quickly, uh, much quicker than I ever expected people to actually catch on to to doing that. I I never really (laughs) anticipated that, but uh, very quickly people... um, started trying to sort of reverse engineer the algorithm and play with, you know, you know okay, if I change this letter here, it has this effect on the image. And if I change this letter over here, it has a different effect. Um, and with time, the, the community sort of uh, actually created like some, some terminology for it. And so um, random tiles that are just sort of generated randomly, so to speak, the, the community calls chaos tiles. Uh, whereas tiles that have a lot more uniformity in them or some repetition or something because people have manually put in a certain like repeating sequence of characters or whatever uh, the community will call those order tiles and so we have uh, we have chaos club and we have the order club
0: That's amazing so I you know I was uh, reading a tweet the other day. <clears throat> I can't remember who it was, but they were saying uh, they were sort of on the edge of web three and they were like nfts, but like wh- I don't see any discourse about like any criticism or any, any critical aesthetics in the work. And so it's very cool to hear that in tile, there is a internal discourse about, you know, the, the, the non hierarchical value of a chaos or what, did you say the other category
1: was? Uh, Order, chaos and order.
0: Chaos and order it's, and then that I imagine sort of plays into the social interactions between people in the community thereafter somewhat, what your taste is and which ones you, you own?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Um, there's definitely, you know, people who are, you know, are a sort of team chaos or team order. Um, it's kind of become a, a really fun, like social meme. Um, and it's also just become a, 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 you know, a means of expression in a way, which I think is like one of the things that has defined tiles as an artwork culturally, because, you know the way the way that I think about it is like you know maybe you could say that I'm the artist of tiles because I created it, but really like I created the algorithm and the algorithm, the way it's designed allows anybody who's minting a tile to really be the artist. And so um, there's a, there are some people in the in the tiles community who you know have gotten particularly good at just like designing interesting tiles and minting them, um, and those people like you know, they, they have their own sort of like notoriety, I think, among the tiles community for just being dope artists.
0: That's so awesome. So to give people a sense, right now there's 1,860 minted tiles. So almost 2,000 tiles, soon when 2,000. Um, <laughs> but uh there's also a mechanism where it's an unlimited supply, if I understand correctly, but the price increases uh, over trenches. Do you remember what those are?
1: Yeah, that's right. So if you go on the tiles website, if you just click the the section in the top left that says current price, you can see the a page oh, that awesome. shows the pricing. Um and yeah, so there's there's basically a, a bonding curve for pricing with tiles. Um and, and funny enough, this was like a pretty big point of contention when tiles was first launched, which I guess I didn't actually realize at the time um, when I launched it but as soon as I launched <laughs> it there are people on Twitter who were like I thought we got rid of bonding curves and stuff and I'm like oh shit like I clearly didn't <laughs> I forgot do my to homework. get rid of it uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know and it, but you know I get it I mean I, I get why people would be opposed to it because it, you know it creates a, you know it creates a, a game mechanism for better or for worse and I think sometimes people are kind of opposed to that and, you know, it, all fair opinions or whatever. But but really the the reason for the the bonding curve is just that, um, you know, the supply of tiles is infinite. And so generally when you have, you know, if you have a project uh, you want, if you have a token or whatever, you, you want the supply to be scarce because it just is easier for a community crew to create value around. Um, And so the bonding curve was really just put in place as a means of like, uh, you know, creating like a pseudo total supply, you know, just to basically like basically with the um, with the assumption that like, you know, there's only going to be so many tiles minted. And at some point it's going to become so prohibitively expensive that, you know, either no one's going to mint tiles or um, it'll just be, you know, Anybody who does will you know, have to pay an exorbitant right. fee. So it's just sort of a, a mechanism to keep the supply lower.
0: You're basically like <laughs> charging for Canvas, and the Canvas is this generative algorithm and the community that it makes you a part of. To give people a sense right now, we're at 1860 and the current price to mint one is uh, 0.16 ETH. Um, so 0.16. I mean, that is what uh, many primary sale NFTs in like, the sort of PFB world would charge. Um, And yet there's 1800. It's interesting to have a flexible supply. I mean, it's yet another way in which tiles is like um, co-created by the community around it. Like maybe it'll be cool to mint them out till I see the price maxes out after 102,401, the price becomes 10.24 ETH. So I guess we'll, we'll get to see through history what what people think it's worth to mint it. <laughs> <mind. laughs>
1: if there's uh, if there's ever 100,000 tiles minted and somebody pays 10 ETH to mint one at that point, then um, this project will have been a wildly fascinating experiment.
0: True, true enough. Is that something that um, the DAO can vote on changing or that's hard-coded into the minting contract?
1: The pricing is hard-coded in the minting contract, yeah. there's There's no going back from that.
0: That even more interesting. A good constraint. I, I feel this is one thing that, like, from the outside, people find hard to understand about NFTs is that it's like, or crypto in general, it's the main thing that kept me away from crypto, which was this, like, hyper financialization uh, critique that it's just giving us the tools to make scarcity where we didn't need it. And sort of like an internet communism kind of uh, infinitely reproducible bits should be available to all, et cetera, um, which I'm was most partial to um, for the longest time. Um, but there is something funny that I can't quite put my finger on about how, like, we need, like, humans like scarcity. Like, it's, we can't appreciate things that aren't scarce. Uh, it somehow helps us to, like, focus our attention on the fleetingness of the experience. So I think th- mechanisms like this, well, it is a bonding curve, but it's also sort of uh, speaking to that as, as a form of art supplies. Uh, not as a finished work?
1: As a form of art supplies. Yeah, I I like that comparison. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, tiles is an experiment, and it's an experiment in in what it means to have, uh, you know, a a potentially infinite supply of art distributed through a community. Um, And I think the, you know, the, the purpose of the body curve is not just, it's not just to create a, a more or less artificial max supply it's it's uh, it's also to sort of reward uh, and incentivize people who sort of believe in that community earlier than later um, and and to me that you know even though maybe some people have a, a different take on that game theory there to me it, it makes sense
0: right the people the, there's some incentive to be an earlier member and a champion of a new community um, yeah. It, it does make sense. I, I, so I'm actually curious. So, okay. So people pay to mint the ETH goes into, uh, I guess that's the next step. What happens to the ETH and how do tile holders interact around that subject?
1: Yeah. So tiles is obviously built on juice box. Um, and, uh, the, the, uh, the, mechanism for how the funds actually flow is that every time a tile is minted um you know the primary sale so to speak the the funds from that all just go into the tiles juice box treasury um so there's all of the funds from the primary sale end up there and then the DAO is essentially able to um do whatever they'd like with those funds um you know publicly and transparently and contractually
0: So, and the members of the DAO are members proportionate to the number of tiles that they've minted, I guess, or the number of tiles that they hold?
1: Yes. So the, anybody who owns a tile can, is, is essentially a member of the DAO. Uh, And, you know, it doesn't really matter if you, if you minted it yourself, if you bought it on the secondary market, if you own a tile, you can enter the discord, which is token gated. uh, And you can also vote on our snapshot proposals. Got it. Um, so yeah, so, okay. So there's some kind of governance
0: that the community is doing. How does governance manifest like, uh, as a feeling in, in tiles?
1: I like how you put that question. Uh, (laughs) how does it (laughs) manifest as a feeling? Um, yeah, it's, it's, governance in tiles has been a really fun journey. Um, you know, it was tiles was created and, uh, the governance process for tiles well, the, Tiles was created like before there was ever a whole lot of um, a, a whole lot of traction in Juicebox itself. Um, and uh, I mean, it was it was basically launched the same afternoon that Juicebox was launched. And, um, you know, it was... I, I certainly hadn't spent a whole lot of time in... Uh, there, there was a handful of DAOs that I'd been a part of prior to getting involved in Juicebox and launching Tiles. Um, but I hadn't spent a lot of time in like familiarizing myself with any like sort of formal governance processes and, you know, and, and I wasn't doing a lot of voting or anything and it wasn't something I was, I was thinking about a whole lot. And so when Tiles launched, it was like, well, we have got a basic idea for how to set up a, a governance framework, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this and that, um, You know, and then we'll just kind of take it from there and see where it goes and see what the community thinks. You know, there was, um, there wasn't a whole, there wasn't a very full playbook to follow or anything. You know, it was the the whole emergence and the the complexity that we've seen arise in DAOs like Juicebox and the formality of the voting process, that all didn't exist at that time. And so the... It, with you know, consistent with the nature of tiles itself, which was just a big experiment without any expectation, um, the idea behind the governance process was just to dive in with some very simple functional building blocks and just see how the community w- responded to it and what we needed to change. Um, but we did start out with a very simple framework, and that was basically just uh, this flow of you know anybody could come in in the DAO and create a proposal in a certain channel and that proposal would be turned into you know with some feedback from the community that was all very loosely structured that that proposal would be turned into a snapshot vote and if a snapshot vote passed then it would be uh, that change would be enacted in the juice box treasury um, when when the project started i was just the owner of everything <laughs> because I wasn't i wasn't working with anybody to do this and um, you know, nobody really cared about it, so I didn't really have um, very many other people who were, like, you know, coming in who who would be, like, suitable to just be on a multi sig or something. So when it started, I just uh, owned the Juicebox project, and so the community was basically trusting me to just enact any sort of the changes that we voted on. Um, and then, you know, obviously that process evolved over time. And we evolved, um, you know, we created a multi-sig and we transferred the ownership of the juice box project to the multi-sig. And so now there's a handful of people who were share the responsibility of making sure that the changes that the community voted on were actually put in place for the juice box treasury. And, you know, examples of a proposal would basically be um, either spending money on uh, some sort of project or something, uh, or spending money to pay a contributor who was coming in and, and helping out the DAO with things like community management, uh, or just, you know, working on a particular project or, you know, in some cases, just being somebody that the community valued to be, you know, consistently throwing out ideas and and guiding conversation. Got it. So, so
0: let's say I, Buy a tile. Actually, do have a tile and go hang out in the Discord. What's the kind of conversation about? What or like, what kind of channels might I see, or or what kinds of people are drawn to talk there?
1: Yeah, the the Discord structure in Tiles is um, has grown a lot over time. It's there's a whole lot going on in there. Um, big shout out to Canoe uh, Canoe Dao, who I know has also been featured on the podcast and. Is a, a big team player in the Juice DAO. They, they definitely helped us out with a lot of structuring of the Discord early on. Um, it was like an awesome privilege to get to work with those folks uh, in in just like forming a lot of the structures that we have now. Um, but generally there's, you know, there's there are some community channels where people will just kind of talk about whatever they like. You know, there's 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 a great sort of vibe in the tile DAO where people are just down to talk about anything. Um, People are sharing music and art and, you know, other NFTs and all types of stuff. And then there's a big section of the Discord that's just dedicated to sort of, um, you know, DAO operations, so to speak. <laughs> like, uh, you know, talking about uh, things like like growth and, and the brand of the DAO itself and, um, you know, how we present the things that we're doing and also the actual projects that are being worked on. So, you know, anytime somebody has an idea of like, hey, we should we should do X and Y, you know, we'll generally end up creating a channel for that and then kind of dive into it and see if it's something we can actually make happen.
0: Okay. So tell us a little bit about like some of the interesting IRL things that TileDAO has done. I know I was at the party in New York. Maybe that's a good one to start with.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, yeah, I'll dive into those. I actually want to just like Emphasize something that I don't think has actually been emphasized yet, uh, in this conversation, but, you know, the, the whole pretense behind tiles was that, um, you know, a lot of times when somebody creates a DAO, there's, there's sort of a goal in mind ahead of time, you know, and, you know, it'll probably be in the name of the DAO, um, you know, there's like, we're going to raise X amount of money to do this or that, or, you know, we are, you know, we exist for this goal, um. And tiles was interesting because there was never, there was never really a, an expected outcome. Um, to me, like creating tiles, it was more about this experiment and just seeing that you know. Um, and I'm, 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 derailing a little bit here, but I'll circle back. Um, you, you know, it was, it was evident to me. I was seeing a lot of people who, um, in the web 3 community, who were forming communities around artworks uh, especially like large series of artworks whether you could have several hundred or several thousand people participating in this community and and it was like it, it was really fascinating to me that that art could be this mechanism to sort of unite people and and you know make these stranger anons from all over the world like feel like they're sort of in something together and, and that to me seemed really powerful and really beautiful and that was the that was kind of the core idea behind Tiles, was just like, let's, uh, I want to kind of create something that does that, but uh, I'm going to build on it by giving everyone who's in the DAO the shared bank account, which is funded by the art itself. So it, it was sort of just this very open-ended experiment that had an interesting mechanism as part of it, and that's what fascinated me with it. But there was never, you know, I never had any expectations for what would actually become of it. Um, and so the DAO's journey to sort of like come into this Discord and and everybody be like, hey, so you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we about? <laughs> what do we care about? Um, has been really really fascinating. And uh, and and with time, the DAO has has focused itself around a handful of projects like this, um, like the party that you mentioned. So, so yeah, the you know. Probably my favorite project that that TileDAO has taken on and and done was a party that we threw in New York for NFT NYC in November last year. It and, was really um, fun. It was a
0: collaboration with SquiggleDAO, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we uh, the 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 timeline for that party was also um, <laughs> was pretty wild because <laughs> we um, incidentally I was actually in Mexico again at the time and I was just like. You know, I think I was just, you know, smoking a joint on a rooftop or something and, and like looking up and just kind of, you know, dreaming on some things and and I knew NFT NYC was coming up and I was planning on going anyway. And I was thinking to myself like, uh, oh, um, like, you know, I, I was I was kind of doing some, I've been doing some calendar stuff earlier that day, trying to figure out what to go to and things like that. And I was like, you know, Tiles has, Tiles has a lot of money. Um, <laughs> tiles <is> a cool <laughs> community. Like, I guess we could also throw a party, you know? And I was like thinking to myself, like I don't know, I don't know shit about throwing a party. Like, I don't know the first thing about throwing a, a big party for a ton of people. Uh, but I knew there were people in the tiles, in, in tiles who had experience with that. Um, and so this was maybe two or three weeks before NFT NYC. And I just remember that night going and putting a message in Discord and saying, um, Hey guys, you know, would anybody else like, you know, be interested in doing this random idea that would be like a lot of work and but could be a ton of fun. Um, and it kind of caught on and people were like, yeah, we, we should totally do that. And I think we had a couple meetings over the next few days or so where we would, you know, still not really convinced it would happen, but just trying to like figure out a couple moving parts, you know, like where would we throw it? Like how much would it cost? Like who's going to perform? And, um, after like a, a week or so of this planning, we realized that like oh like yeah this this is totally something we could do like we 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 should punch the gas pedal, um, and so it was around that time that I also um, I, I hit up my friend uh, Greg who is the he runs the Squiggle Dow, um, and I I asked him I was like hey you know we're gonna throw this party It would be awesome to like. able to to basically share this with your community because i know you guys are trying to do a lot of cool stuff like we can um you know pull together some ideas and and get some of the get some of your homies involved to like you know make this thing better you know more than the sum of its parts and um and so we ended up collaborating with squiggledow to throw the party and uh we also made sure that I don't know if you could call it a collaboration. It wasn't a collaboration with FWB, Friends with Benefits, but we also um, we also made sure that anybody who was an FWB holder uh, could come too, because that's that community was uh, really my first true experience in DAOs, and like inspired a lot of uh, inspired you know all the ideas that I ever had around like what tile DAO could look like. Um, so I was also thrilled to see a lot of FWB people there. Hmm,
0: beautiful. There was great music. Uh, Neon Indian played.
1: Um, it was great music. We had Alan from Neon Indian. Um, shout out to Naeem. Shout out to uh, Brady Panther Modern and Melissa. Yes. Um, it, it, it was a. It was a. It was a ton of just. It was a. It was a ton happening. Uh, it was a. It was a great time overall. It was a great party. But
0: I, I don't want to give people the impression that Tile Dao is like a party. DAO? Because I really think the projects it's most known for, or at least the ones I identify with TileDAO, like projects out in the world, are probably the murals. Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about those projects.
1: Yeah. So one of the ideas that TileDAO seems to have aligned around early on is just this, very generally, just this intersection between the Web3 world and like IRL, the IRL world, I guess. (laughs) And um, and so a lot of the ideas that have been floated around in the DAO have just been, have all sort of been connected to, um, you know, how could we bridge the world between, you know, NFT art and like, the crypto world in general um, and people who just appreciate art but maybe don't know anything about uh, the NFT world. And uh, one of the, the biggest undertaking that that's turned into has just been a series of murals that the DAO has funded. Um, just in, in a handful of different places. So there's, um, we have one at the Hi Ho Lounge in New Orleans, uh, which is an awesome comedy spot. If you haven't been there, they've got great fries. Uh, we, um, there's a, there's a spot in Burlington, North Carolina, which is, um, this, this really beautiful, um, art studio that is used primarily to, well, it's, it's a multi-purpose studio, but it's used to, there's, there's children's art classes there. Um, I'm not even sure what it's all being used for now. It's, it's a dynamic space, but, um, we have a mural painted on the side of that building. Uh, and we're also in the middle of painting uh, another mural right now in Rio, Brazil, uh, which is going to be, I think, the, the biggest one that we've painted so far. And, it, and also kind of one of the most creative because it's got a, a really fascinating composition. It's sort of a tile integrated into some, some portraits. And um, I'm really excited to see it done. It should be wrapped up in the next week or two.
0: Very cool. So basically the treasury is being used to fund public arts um, that are sort of tiles in the world and commissions with local arts institutions generally around the world and local artists doing the, the mural painting.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I, I should I should make a point, uh, I should emphasize that, um, you know, e- each of these mural projects is sort of like the goal behind each of these murals projects has been to sort of create a relationship with the, the space that is being, uh, that we're using to actually paint the mural um, and ultimately use the murals as a, a kind of a vehicle to just create a conversation or create material that would uh, make the NFT art world a bit more accessible to people who are just discovering it maybe through the physical art. Uh, and so our, our the goal that we've kind of been working towards is once we get a, a series of murals, maybe five or six or so, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably end up trying to encapsulate all that work into some type of publication or use it as some sort of um use it to create something that can be its own sort of body of work that is more shareable and um, representative of just like the DAO's efforts as a whole.
0: You know, before this call, I asked in DAO if anybody had any suggestions of questions to ask and Sid Nexiv, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, of course, but <laughs> Singing, uh, asked, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they asked, um, I'd ask about cultivating a community of vibes and artistry and how that shapes the DAO's many projects, hopes, and dreams. <laughs> 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 um, so, <laughs> I don't know if that inspires any, any response from you. <laughs>
1: um, so, sorry, say that, say the question one more time. Cause I, sure, sure. Uh, a bit of it.
0: Um, I'd ask about cultivating a community of vibes and artistry and how that shapes the DAO's many projects, hopes, and dreams.
1: Oh yeah. It's so good. Shout out to (laughs) Uh, (laughs) me. Yeah. The vibes are definitely, the vibes are definitely key. Um, I think something that a lot of people who've come into tiles have remarked on is that um, it's, you know, the, the TileDAO is primarily made up of people who are just interested in art, you know, because that's sort of what the DAO is, is centered around. Um, so it's less, you know, it's not quite the same culture of like, let's say, Juicebox DAO, where there's a lot more developers who are interested in the protocol, who are interested in, um, you know, the tokenomics of, of all the mechanisms involved in Juicebox. You know, a, a lot of the people who come into Tiles are just interested in the art and they're interested in, in the future of... NFTs and, and the Web3 art world. Um, and so it's a lot of people who, uh, you know, generally people who tend to be less literate with, like, the the technology of, of blockchain, um, you know, can have, at least in my experience, I've heard those people seem to often feel like it's a little harder to get up to speed with DAOs that are more like, protocol-centric or developer-centric. And so TileDAO has been... Um, from what I can tell, like a lot of people have remarked that it's a lot more welcoming and it's a lot easier to enter and it's a lot more uh, open to just kind of random ideas. There's a lot less like judgment. There's never any sort of vibe that's like, oh, like you're clearly new here or whatever. Like, oh, you clearly don't know anything about blockchain or whatever. Um, you know, so, so the vibes that have Emerged over time in tiled out have definitely become the foundation for a lot of the awesome like conversations and ideas that have been put out in the world.
0: Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Dreamland. This is a new project, right? Is it live yet?
1: Uh, Dreamland is not live yet. Uh, but we've been working with a group called Wolf Bear Studios, uh, who kind of took it upon themselves to play around with a well in. Collaboration with uh, with Trevor, who goes by Arrow Gardener or Confetti Prime, depending on where you find him on, on the internet, uh, who's is, is a staple in Tile um, uh In collaboration with Trevor, uh, they have built a GAN bot that will just uh, it'll it'll remix tile images using some sort of seed phrase uh, and you can actually kind of remix them as many times as you want. So you can, you know, let's say you, you take a tile and you start with that image of that tile and you feed it into this, this bot with the phrase, I don't know, garlic bread. <laughs> and uh, you you'll get back an image that The Gan will the Gan bot will remix this image with elements of whatever phrase that you've given it, Um, and so you know we have a channel, a working channel in the uh, in the Discord that is um, you know people just sort of playing around with this bot integrated into Discord, and we don't have this bot public anywhere else yet, um, but we have been playing around with what it would look like to sort of make that artwork, uh, you know, public and, um, you know, a a new project that the DAO could sort of steward into existence. So I can't say much more about it. Um, but it is really exciting. And I'm, I'm just like, it's, it's a really big, uh, it's just very cool to see new things emerging in Tile DAO.
0: So if people wanted to, if Tile members wanted to play with this, they could go into the discord now and generate some
1: sort of AI hallucinated Tile <laughs> uh, derivative art. Uh, <laughs> <I see. yeah. laughs> Some AI hallucinated generative art. Yeah, that's exactly it. They could.
0: It's very interesting. I'm looking at them right now. They're sort of, <clears throat> you can imagine like a tile sort of animating into uh, almost a painting, uh, like a scenic painting or a uh, figurative painting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very, yeah. uh, it's very, it's very interesting. Some of them are very beautiful. I'm looking at one that looks like uh, flowers. Yeah, like the tile is becoming like flowers.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I will say that I, um, the initial idea of it wasn't quite as interesting to me because I've, I've seen a handful of sort of Gan projects, like Gan derivative projects, and it's always kind of felt like. Um, in the places that I've seen it, and no specific examples come to mind, but you know, with other NFT projects where people have made GAN derivatives, uh, I've often kind of felt like it was like a fairly like… Um, yeah, toss not, it in the GAN. Yeah, like just like toss it in the can, like not a particularly inspired, like particularly creative derivative project. It's just like a, here's an easy way to just remix this. Um, and so the idea was at first, like not super attractive to me and I didn't, you know, I wasn't that excited about it, but I I realized that um, the nature of the tiles art, you know, the aesthetics of it, the colors and the fact that it's sort of this simple, consistent grid um, actually makes for, in my opinion, like a, a really ideal base for feeding into a GAN bot um, because it's sort of so basically geometric and and you have these very simple forms. You You could even say that like from a compositional perspective, like tiles aren't incredibly opinionated, like they're, they're, you, you can—they're very easy to sort of shape into any number of things, and so it—it it actually, like now after playing around with it and seeing what the the bot is capable of, like I feel like the tile, uh, the tile art style is is almost kind of the perfect thing to feed into a GAN image, and and the things that have been created, it's like amazing to see the output of something and then look at that compared to the tile that it started as and see you know hints of of the original composition and the the splotches of color or whatever. Um, but also like appreciate how far it's come from the technology that like wolf bears put together.
0: Yeah. I can tell that, you know, like just looking at them now, I don't know, are the ones that are in the discord, um, these are people are submitting the poems to create the, them or they're automatically generated?
1: Uh, No, anybody can type whatever they want. Um, And you can also iterate over and over on them. So you can actually take, um, you you can start with a tile and you can give it a phrase. And again, we'll give you a new image based on that phrase, but then you can take the output of that first iteration and then iterate on it again. And so, especially after you've done it a few times, you can start to really like get far away from the original tile image and it gets a lot more fascinating.
0: All right, I'll have to look further into the bot. I, I don't see exactly how to interact, but I'm super curious. It, it's like one of these things where the artistic curation of the machine's output, it makes, elevates the AI artwork to something that could neither human nor machine on their own could achieve. It's like a very interesting, uh, and actually kind of an echo of the original tile minting process where the, the collector is involved.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that, and that's actually another thing that makes me feel more and more excited about this project in particular. Is because it. it I realized very recently that it. It feels very in line with the original. Um, you know the the original mechanism for how tiles were minted, which is that the the user, you know, the person who's interacting with it has some agency over actually creating something, and to me that that makes for a very special type of like art experience and and the fact that it's happening in, in the NFT world is even cooler.
0: So basically what I've learned about Tile Tao today is that it's really a Tao of artists or like artists in the sense of spiritually people who are inclined to talk and surround themselves with people or I imagine find it really great to be able to find a group of people who are so like minded to just mess around and have a something of a budget if they come up with a good enough idea. To convince others in the group, is that is that kind of what it's like?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it succinctly.
0: So, uh, how have artists gotten involved? So, we talked about all these projects. There's the the party that was organized uh, last minute in New York. These mural projects, which I think are kind of the heart of of what the the DAO's sort of early uh, soul came to came to be discovered to be, and then this Dreamland project. So, new creative opportunities that embrace. Similar kind of um, authorial control uh, shared with the the person uh, co-creating the artwork through the minting process. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind that these kind of arts people who are drawn to this DAO get up to, hanging out?
1: Um, I think that's the that that feels like the the meat of it. Um, you know, uh, the other only other thing I'd add, I think, is just that, like, it's, it's, I'm kind of astounded by the number of people who have sort of showed up into the Tiles Discord who basically just said, like, you know, hey, I see people talking about this project and it seemed like I, it seemed like the type of thing I wanted to really be a part of. And so, like, uh, you know, for some people, I think the art itself is even maybe kind of secondary. There, there's certainly been a community that's formed around it that has has gotten strong and, and attracted people, you know, in itself. I think a lot of the people who joined Tiles might have joined Tiles regardless of what the art actually looked like, uh, but they just sort of saw it as this artistic launchpad.
0: Yeah, it definitely does have an energy coming off of it from the people who Share their experiences and uh, encourage others to, to join in. If somebody wants to get involved, what's the the number one thing they should do?
1: The number one thing is to buy a tile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you need a tile to be in the Discord. Um, but once you have that, uh, you can you can go to the Discord and you know you can verify your tile ownership there, um, and and that's it. I mean, you hit the ground running after that uh and you can like i said before you can you can mint tile on tiles.art if you want to have your own um but you know you can also buy them on the secondary market and they're cheaper on the secondary market now so if you can't afford a 0.16 uh eth nft then you know we would still love to have you and um you know there's there's often people who are even uh, within the Tile DAO who are even like you know doing sort of giveaways on twitter and things and like um Sending tiles to people who they just want to have in the Discord. So it's 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 not hard to get in. And if you want to hit, if you want to get in, show up and and ask us, and and uh, we we want you in <laughs> for motivated people. There there's always a the door is
0: always open for motivated folks. That's really yeah. exciting. Harry, thanks so much for telling me all about TileDAO, and I learned a lot about the early days of Juicebox. All this stuff. It, things have happened so quickly. We started off this conversation talking about how you got into Web3 during DeFi summer, and that wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: So, <laughs> yeah, incredible. It feels like a long time ago.
0: <laughs> Pretty crazy. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking to me.
1: Yeah, well, thanks a lot for having me. Great questions. Um, it was a pleasure overall.
0: Awesome. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast. You can find us online at juicebox.money and on Twitter at juiceboxeth. Join the conversation at discord.gg juicebox. The Juicebox Podcast is for educational, informational and entertainment purposes only. Views expressed by guests and the host do not reflect the views of Juicebox DAO or the Juicebox Podcast. The Juicebox Podcast is not investment advice or a solicitation to make any financial decisions. Projects on the Juicebox protocol are not vetted by Juicebox DAO. Each project on the Juicebox protocol is responsible for its own crowdfunding parameters. The tokenomics of one project may differ from other projects on the protocol. Do not make contributions to any project in anticipation of financial returns. Please do your own research.